This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the grave. (laughs) All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I am shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news but is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I'll say it again. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I wouldn't be Christ's servant. Dear brothers and sisters, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish traditions. How I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in the zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened... I didn't rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God that what I'm telling you is not a lie. After that visit, I went north to the provinces of Syria and Cilicia. And still the Christians in the churches in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that people were saying the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas and Titus came along too. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. And while I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. And they supported me and didn't even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. Even that question came up only because of some so-called Christians there, false ones really, who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have 
in Christ. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow the Jewish regulations, but we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. The leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews, for the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping out the poor, which I've always been eager to do. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they weren't following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles, yet we know that a person is made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we've believed so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ, and then we're found guilty because we've abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't treat the grace, grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, there was no reason for Christ to die. For if you 
You kept a record of my sin Tell me who For your love could surely stay Tired, but you are strength. I was blind, you are light. I was dead, but you are alive. I am wild, you are peace. I am tired, but you are strength. I was blind, you are light. I was dead, but you are alive. What I Galatians, who cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Does God give you the Holy Spirit because you obeyed the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ, how foolish can you be after starting your Christian lives in the spirit while you now trying to make yourself perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it wasn't in vain, was it? I ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law of Moses? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this message long ago when he said, to Abraham all nations will be blessed through you so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse for the scripture says cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of law so it's clear No one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scripture says, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. And this way of faith is very different than the way of law. It says, it's through obeying the law that a person has life. Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises, gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. 
Rather, it's said to his child, and that, of course, means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham couldn't be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God will be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, it wouldn't be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But it was designed only to last until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God didn't use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. For if the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we're all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom through, through receiving the promise Jesus gave by believing in Jesus Christ. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under God by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law to make us right with God. For you're no longer Jews or Gentiles, slave and free, male and female. You're all one in Christ. Now, you belong to Christ. And since you belong to Christ, you are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance to his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. Even though they actually own everything their father had, they have to obey the their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us until Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children and because we are his children God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts prompting us to call out Abba father now you're no longer a slave but God's own child and since you are God's child God has made you his heir before you Gentiles knew God you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist so now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless 
spiritual principles of this world. You're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do and freedom from these things. For I've become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. You didn't mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you didn't despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I'm sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if that had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you'll pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right. But let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they'll continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone. But at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. Tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? The scripture says Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife, one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the free woman was born as God's own fulfillment to his promise. And these two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai where people received the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem's just like Mount Sinai because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, she's the free woman. She is our mother. As Isaiah said, rejoice, O childless woman, you who've never given birth, break into a joyful shout, you who've never been in labor, For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. But you're now being persecuted by those who want you to keep the law. Just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac. The child born by the power of the Spirit. But we are the children of the free woman. We are not children of the slave woman. Christ has truly set us free. Now.
slavery to the law. Listen, I Paul tell you this, if you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ, there's no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised. What's important is faith expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well. Who's held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord will keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who's been confusing you. And the brothers and sisters, if I was still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation by the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. For you have been called to live in freedom. It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. So don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the Spirit desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But we, when we're directed by the Spirit, we're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that no one living that sort of lifestyle will inherit the kingdom of God. 
But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let's not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly Help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're fooling yourself. Those who teach the word of God should have things provided for them by those who were taught. You should share all good things with them. Pay careful attention to your own work. Then you'll receive the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to worry about comparing yourself to anyone else for we're each responsible for our own conduct. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for preaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. But as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has been crucified. It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. What counts is if we've been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the real, true people of God. Dear brothers and sisters, from now on, don't bother me anymore with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. May the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be with your spirits. Amen.